Welcome to the Point of Impact Podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now here's Rick. Welcome to another episode of Point of Impact Podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel. It's great to have you joining us. And again, I would just encourage you to subscribe so you can just automatically receive each new episode that comes out uh, each week, usually on Friday morning. And certainly share on social media about this podcast and tell your friends about it. Appreciate any support and promotion that you can give if it's if it's enjoyable to you, if it's helping you, if it's impacting your life. Love for you to share that. It's exciting to watch more and more people. We're up to 10 different countries now that people are listening in, which is kind of neat. Look forward to many more joining us in the in the days and weeks and months to come. And today I want to just uh, kind of do what I think uh, is fun to do in something like a podcast, which is to just take a kind of disparate subject and just look into it for a little bit. I want to talk about 10 things that millennials are killing off in culture and society. And this is not a this is not an invective uh, against millennials. I happen to love two millennial young men very much, my boys, and so I have no uh, interest in uh, putting anybody down. I just think it's fascinating to just see what is happening culturally in terms of traditions and habits and how the millennials are kind of changing things in the way that they look at life and how they how they go about living their lives and and so just want to take this episode and just talk about it a little bit and just identify some of the things that uh, that are happening where uh, you know they're just doing things differently uh, or not doing things whatever the case may be and the result is that uh, it's different it's just uh, doesn't mean make, make it right or wrong necessarily it's just that and, and I'm the kind of guy you know I'll tell you if it's right or wrong that's something I will positively do but if it isn't then I'm not going to and, and I'm not here to say that uh, you know, any of these things are necessarily right or wrong, with the exception of one, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But other than that, it's uh, pretty much uh, open to your uh, own opinions. But uh, it's worth still worth looking at, I think, and just kind of interesting. And and so let's just jump into you know ten things that millennials are killing off. And I want to start with, of all things, irony. And the reason I want to start with that is because I just read this fascinating article about it. And I just thought, you know, this is just so interesting. It was in the Washington Post and it was talking about a growing disinterest in ironing. And, uh, you know, what's 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 going on with millennials in, in ironing? And the fact is, is that millennials are not ironing. They're they're not using irons. They're looking for. Uh, no iron clothing, for instance. Um, another thing that they're doing is just taking their wrinkled clothes, popping them into the dryer, running it for about 10 minutes, and you know, out comes the, the garment and they're on to, uh, you know, they're on to wearing it just like that. And uh, I just think it's, it's just fascinating just how this is just sort of coming about and, and, and how it's sort of working that ironing is just something that is just a staple you know it's just it's a staple part of it of course has to do with maybe dressier clothes and that's 
Part of it is millennials are dressing more casually than before. If you're going to wear a suit, you probably want a press shirt. But if you're not going to wear a suit and tie, then maybe it's not so uh, important. But it's just fascinating to me that millennials are using a steamers have become much more popular, uh, something that I'm not even really that familiar with, that the idea that instead of doing the work of getting out an ironing board and turning on the iron and doing all that, that you just run the steamer uh, across uh, uh, an item of clothing that's on a hanger and that's going to, uh, that's going to do the trick. In 2008, iron sales were down 7%. Steamer sales are up 19% from 2016. So in a two-year period, the sale of irons went down 7%, and yet steamers went up 19%. That tells you something about what's going on. I also think it's fascinating. There's a term, Febreze ironing. Never heard of it, but Febreze ironing. If you've got some funky smelling clothes, you spray a little uh, Febreze and run it through a short dryer cycle, and voila, no more smelly clothes, no more wrinkled clothes. And so I just, it's just remarkable to me that, you know, we're sort of at a point where um, ironing is just isn't seen as something that needs to be done. And so it's not done. Some are coming out with new products. One is called an OVO. It's a little portable combination iron and, and garment steamer that you can toss into a suitcase, only weighs a couple of pounds. And I got to tell you, after I read this article, I thought, I think I want to pick one of those up myself because that's pretty that's a pretty sweet little deal for a couple of pounds and for 50 bucks, you can have this little device that might help you out. But this is kind of where people are headed as again, let's just make sure we always define terms. So Pew, Pew Research Center, premier research group that's out there, they are saying millennials are born between 1981 and 1996. And I don't think that's uh, particularly unique to them. I mean, that's pretty well understood. So that's the group we're talking about, born between 81 and 96, breaking from previous generations in in various ways. And, and so it turns out that ironing is one of the ways in which they are breaking from it. What, you know, what else sort of, well, how about cable TV? Let's make that number two, because I think that's a really big one. Their millennials are cutting the cable television cord. They're looking to not pay for cable TV and instead getting subscriptions to Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and all these other streaming services that are already out there. That's the, the route that they're taking. It's no big shocker, I think, to anybody that, you know, that kind of stuff is happening. That's the, the route they're doing. Younger viewers uh, have grown up with a kind of flexibility, uh, especially, you know, as it relates to the idea that, if I'm going to uh, watch my particular program, I, I, it's on at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday nights, and I've got I've to watch it or I'm going to miss it. And millennials know nothing of this, absolutely nothing of this. They just have no idea what that, that could even possibly mean. They're going to watch their shows when they want to watch them, when they're convenient to them. And, of course, this is where binge watching comes into play, where they say, you know what, I'm going to watch all 10 episodes of this series. I'm going to do it all in, in one sitting. I'm going to take my Saturday. I'm going to start at 10 in the morning and I'm going all day long watching this season two of this, that, or the other, whatever it might be. And of course, there's more. There's more out there. Wow. There's more. There's so many shows I've never even heard of. It's just remarkable how many are out there, but millennials know about them. They know all about them. And 
all these different streaming services are investing all this money and all kinds of new episodes. And so there it is for you. That's millennials. They're, they're, they're changing cable television and they're changing irons. And you know, what, you know, what else are, are they changing? How about one that one that's near and dear to my heart, cereal. I just think this is wild. Again, I read an article about this a while back and I was like, this just, this, this sounds crazy, but here, New York times, and here's what they, they wrote. 40% of millennials said cereal, now here's a quote, is an inconvenient breakfast choice because they had to clean up after eating it. <clears throat> Never even thought of it. Uh, I love cereal. I am a huge cereal guy. I'm the kind of guy that not only would have cereal for breakfast, but I'd have cereal for dinner. You know, I have cereal on a Saturday for lunch. I mean, I, I, I would do that and have done it. And will do it. And I'm the kind of guy that gets on something probably for a couple years. I was on corn checks with bananas. So every single day, except maybe Saturday when my wife would make a big breakfast, it'd be corn checks and, and bananas. And now I've moved to Special K and raspberries. That's my thing, Special K and raspberries. Although I have to say right now in the summer months, I love nectarines. So I'm on my Special K and nectarines kick at the moment but the bottom line is just that you know to me cereal is just one of the great foods i think it's super convenient you don't have to cook you I mean you just pour it in and pour in the milk and put some fruit in it and you're on your way and of course you can have cereal i, I like muesli which is popular in europe and you don't need any fruit because it's got dried fruit in it already and and you know you're good to so why would you not eat cereal you know this idea that 40% of millennials like, yeah, it's too much of a hassle. I want some breakfast sandwich that I can throw away the wrapper when I'm done or make my avocado toast. And then when I'm done eating, there's nothing, you know, to clean up, I suppose, except a knife that maybe you spread the avocado with. But fascinating, fascinating stuff. Because you just think about staples of life. I think staples of life are things like cereal. How about another one? Napkins. Napkins. I'm, I'm a big napkin guy. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to admit that the Washington Post claims millennials are killing the paper napkin. How are they doing that? Because they're saying that paper towels are an easy substitute. So I don't need to buy separate things like napkins. I'll just use paper towels. Now it's interesting because until the fifties, it was cloth napkins. Then came the easy disposable paper napkin. And so now we've gone from paper napkin to paper towels. And I just think that's just really, really interesting. I mean, just these two things, you know, are kind of near and dear to my heart, I suppose. Because when I was early, early in my marriage and in our family life, you know, when we just didn't have a lot of resources and, and a growing family. And so one of the things I loved was raspberries, but they were just too expensive. And I remember saying to myself, and to my wife on more than one occasion, you know, when, when we get more established and we have a better income and these kids are grown up, I'm going to start buying raspberries and having raspberries in my cereal because I love raspberries, but right now we can't afford them. And so sure enough, that's exactly what I did. I'll give you another one in terms of napkins. When we'd have guests over, my wife would buy these special dinner napkins, nicer, softer, thicker. And I was like, why can't we have these napkins all the time instead of the ones we use? Oh, they're more expensive. 
And that same thing I said, when we get, you know, we get more established, we're going to get rid of those uh, crappy napkins and I want the nice dinner napkins. And sure enough, that's what we do to this. <laughs> now we have the, the nicer dinner napkins. So for a guy like me, you know, cereal napkins is kind of like a, it's evidence of success and accomplishment that you get to a place in your life where, wow, watch out, you can afford raspberries and nicer napkins. I would never want to wipe my face with a paper towel because they're not nearly soft enough. They're, they're not made to really for wiping your face. They're made for, you know, wiping up spills and things like that. But for whatever reason, millennials have chosen, you know, we're just not. Now, it's kind of funny because you would think that millennials might be into the cloth napkins because it's a little more environmentally conscious to just like cloth diapers, right? You know, you can just uh, wash them. You don't have to toss them into garbage and ultimately end up in the landfill. So that's interesting. Although cloth napkins, of course, we get back to the work factor. If you think it's work to rinse out a cereal bowl, then imagine a bunch of cloth napkins that you got to put in a wash machine and clean. So maybe that has something to do with it. But uh, needless to say, it's, it's where we're at. How about banks? Banks. Here's another of the 10. Here's another of the 10 things that millennials are killing off. Millennials, they don't really have anything to do with what you might call a brick and mortar bank. They've been using ATMs from as long as they can remember. Many of them uh, do their banking online. My kids don't write checks. I still write checks. They're like, dad, you know, join us in the 21st century. What do you mean you write checks? We don't write checks. We do everything online. Some, of course, have online bank accounts. You know, there is no physical bank. Your bank is an online bank. So there's no way you would even have a bank to go to. It's a pretty remarkable thought, isn't it? That you, you couldn't even go to a physical bank if you wanted to. We just take a picture of the check, you know, and here we go and yada, yada, yada. And you just wonder where, where's the future of, of, uh, Brick and mortar banks with millennials as they get older and they know nothing of going to a bank. Their whole uh, concept of how you do a financial transaction is tied up in online. And so there's no reason to go to a bank. So again, may never walk through the physical door of a bank and, and banks, obviously, they have to respond to that and they've got to respond to it in some kind of proactive way and certainly some of those things are happening so those are how about our first five you know that are are just really fascinating things that are happening that are really game changers I mean they are no matter how you slice it, it they're game changers when you you talk about things that are just staples of culture and uh, just Things that you just did and always did and millennials have come along and said, you know, we're just going to kill these things off because we just don't like them or agree with them or see the, the need for them. Here's another one. Bar soap. Again, I guess I'm really, you know, sort of tipping about the kind of guy I am. I'm the guy that uses bar soap, but uh, the idea of a bathtub having a built-in soap dish is probably more and more rare. The newer homes that are built, body wash has pushed the old-fashioned bar soap to the back of the shower. Market Watch reported a few years ago that 60% of millennials think, now listen, that bar soaps are covered in germs. 
So that's fascinating. Never occurred to me that a, a bar of soap could be covered in germs. For me, the idea of pouring soap onto a washcloth and trying to lather it up and get it to be evenly lathered and all that sort of stuff doesn't appeal. Now, again, maybe this has to do with the, the, uh, <laughs> the going away of washcloths. Probably many millennials are using other things like loofahs or who knows, maybe just in their hands, they're just washing that way. But if you're a if you're a washcloth guy or gal and you know you lather up soap, I, I don't think there's anything better. But hey, millennials are like, nope, not doing it. Don't do it. Don't have any interest in it. I don't know what to say about the germ thing. I just don't really see that. I can't even see how that could happen if soap was used in any regular uh, basis or regular way. But again, in the end, it, it, it's you know it's not a, a matter of uh, you know agreeing or disagreeing arguing about it just don't want to use it and in fact have decided to go with a different kind of soap body wash instead of soap we started this podcast i i mentioned that you know this uh, i'm the kind of guy that'll tell you what's right and what's wrong i have no problem doing that certainly as a pastor i think there's truth in the bible that is important for us to follow on the other hand when there are things that are not biblical in nature, not morality issues, then whether you use napkins or iron or bar soap or body wash, these things don't fit into those categories. But this one is maybe the only one, it is the only one in this list of 10 that I think is concerning, is an issue, and that is marriage. Millennials and marriage. Millennials are waiting longer to get married, and some are deciding that they don't even want to participate in marriage at all. More than half, more than half of millennials are single. Well, let's say maybe not all millennials, but the 25 to 35 year olds, so a good chunk of millennials are single. In 1980, more than two thirds of people in that age group had already been married. So just let that sink in. In, in 1980, more than two thirds of those 25 to 35 were married. Today, more than half are not married. The chance of that demographic living with the parents or grandparents has doubled. It is double what it was in 1980. So it's it's fascinating. Now, you may say, okay, Rick, what's the, you know, what's the deal? Let's hear your, your spiel. From the guy who marries people, officiates weddings. Yeah, marriage is a statement of commitment. And commitment is a very, very, very important thing in life. My famous phrase is successful people are just ordinary people who make commitments others are unwilling to make. Successful people are just ordinary people who make commitments that others are unwilling to make. Commitment. It's commitment that brings success in life. And when you talk about the key relationship in your life, the person that you want to spend life with, marriage is the commitment. It's the sealing of that commitment. It's a sealing of a commitment before God. It's a sealing of a commitment legally for society, for culture. It creates the foundation upon which you can have a family and children. Without it, 
how do those things happen? They can happen, of course, but they're not, they're not the same because the commitment hasn't been established. Now, I understand the delay to a degree in marriage, you know, this idea that the student loan debt is higher because the cost of education has skyrocketed in the last 15 or 20 years. Incredible. Guy like me that has three college degrees, you know, no college debt, you know, uh, but, you know, and haven't had it for a long time. So it isn't just that I don't have it now is is a combination of many factors. But one of them certainly is the that college was simply a lot more affordable than it is today. So, you know, people are saying we need to wait longer. We need to wait longer because of our financial situation. And, you know, there's a degree to that that's that's understandable. And I would also just say, on the other hand, though, that if you meet someone and you think this is the one, the idea of delaying that uh, could be a mistake and you could end up losing out on that relationship because you don't make the commitment and then the person ends up deciding to move on. So maybe another time uh, I'll do an episode more on this, a whole episode devoted to something about marriage and living together and, you know, what's the benefits and pluses of both of those and uh, a lot of research, a lot of fascinating research about that. Um, probably be surprising for a lot of you to hear. But for now, we'll just say that marriage is uh, taking a real hit from millennials as they are just not getting married nearly as much and, and nearly as early as uh, previous generations. All right, how about we switch from something serious to something not so serious, which would be uh, lottery tickets. <laughs> the lottery, the tax on those who are bad at math, you know, this uh, idea that the odds of winning are, are so, so ridiculously high that you could probably figure out much more effective ways to use your money. But back uh, even in 2016, the Huffington Post wrote about millennials were passing on buying lotto tickets. Maybe it's because all millennials are really good at math, but maybe it's because discretionary income is precious. And so why be spending it uh, on these long shot odds that maybe, you know, you might win the lottery. And, and it really is fascinating because where I live, we just opened up this, this new sort of like horse track betting parlor or whatever. And just report just came out about how, how high the participation has been in just a few first months, how many people are going down there. But I bet you, if you went down there, if I went down there tomorrow, I bet you anything. How do you like that bet that you would, that I would find that the vast majority of the people are older and there would be very few millennials in that crowd. Now you could say maybe older people have, you know, more time or more discretionary income looking for something to do to amuse themselves and millennials have other things that they can do that maybe are more adventurous or exciting, probably part of it. But there's something I think too about millennials saying, look, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to waste my money on something so silly as a, uh, lottery ticket because uh, there's more important things that I need, need to be doing with my money than, you know, essentially throwing it away on something that doesn't have any real chance of helping me at all. This should probably be uh, as no great surprise in an era where Amazon and online shopping has just taken over and everybody else has joined in the party and millennials really know nothing else. But here's another 
Here's another thing that's getting killed off department stores. If you, you know, if you've grown up with the ability to shop from your couch, why would you want to necessarily go into a crowded department store? And millennials just don't have the shop till you drop attitude or desire. And so they're, they're passing on the, the, the big department stores. And, you know, this is uh, impacting all of them. And you just look at, you know, certain chains like Sears and Kmart are just almost disappearing. Part of that can be blamed, I guess, on Walmart. But even places like JCPenney or Macy's are taking serious, serious hits. And, e and even somebody like Nordstrom, which is kind of a flagship success story, you know, Nordstrom, legendary for their customer service. You know, they're, they're just, they're, they're the gold standard for department stores that even they are struggling. And then beyond just this idea of just going to a department store is the idea of these outlets that, you know, that Nordstrom's has the rack and even something like luxury Neiman Marcus has their last call or Saks Fifth Avenue has their Saks off. And so why do I need to go to those stores when I can go to the outlets, maybe hit all three at one shot and get better deals and, and save money or just going to individual stores, whether it's uh, True Religion or Nike or uh, Tory Burch or Ann Taylor or whatever it is, you know, whatever store you're interested in, Joe's Jeans, you know, just go to theirs and go to the outlet and immediately, you know, you're saving money uh, for what you would have paid at the department store. And many times, even when there's a sale at a department store, it's still not as good as the deals you can get at outlets. So millennials are like, hey, I don't want to waste my money. I don't have enough of it to waste. So I'm not going to department stores and going to shop mostly online. But if I go to an outlet, you know, maybe I can pick up what I want there and that'll turn out to be a better deal for me. And I think that is exactly the thing that's happening. How about one more? This is kind of funny. I mean, there's others, you know, that we could talk about doorbells. It's funny with texting, you know, doorbells are kind of like uh, <laughs> something that doesn't happen anymore. Casual dining chains. You're just watching the TGI Fridays and the Applebee's and the Ruby Tuesdays. They're just really struggling because, you know, this millennials, again, are just uh, choosing to eat, to do delivery services, meal kit things at home, or they're, or they're wanting to frequent uh, local restaurants instead of chain restaurants. And that may be the biggest one of all. So there's a lot more I could talk about, but God, I'm going to stick with my 10 without getting too far off here. And I want to finish with postcards. You know these things, postcards? Yeah, you know, you go somewhere and uh, you scoop up some, uh, some postcards and having a great time, uh, you know, meant taking a postcard and, you know, writing something on it while you're on vacation. And uh, according to Money-ish, uh, big trouble for postcards. Listen to this. 25 years ago, more than 20 million postcards were sold annually. 20 million. That is now down to 5 million. In the last 25 years, from 20 million to 5 million. Anybody want to guess what's replacing the postcard? Yeah, it's not too hard to figure out, is it? Let me just take a picture on my phone, you know, using my phone, post it on social media, and voila, there it is. These phones take such incredible pictures. The last 
vacation that I was just on here recently. I took some pictures. Unbelievable just how beautiful these pictures are. I sent one to one of my millennial sons and he's like this. It was a picture of uh, this beautiful lighthouse on this rocky coast in Maine. And he's like, man, dad, this is incredible how beautiful these pictures are. And then the next thing that he wrote in his text was, isn't it amazing, you know, these cameras on these phones, you know, there was no credit given to the guy who took the picture, crawling out on rocks to just get the right angle and shot, no credit whatsoever, but credit to the incredible camera on the phone. But, you know, hey, it's true. What do you need a postcard for? Why do you need to spend money on a postcard? And again, we still buy postcards, my wife and I do, but they become, we don't mail them, we don't write them, they become like mementos that you, you save, you know, maybe they, they end up in some sort of uh, memory book or something, that's more what they'll be used for than actually, you know, this idea that I'm going to take a picture that somebody else took and I'm going to write something and put it through snail mail rather than I take my own picture and post it to social media, it's just not going to happen, just isn't going to. So... Postcards from 20 million to 5 million, and, and I got a feeling that's going to keep going down. So, there you go 10 things that millennials are killing off in our culture and society. Kind of remarkable just to take a little journey through those 10. So, you can write me at rickmcdaniel.com and tell me if you agree, disagree. If you've got something you say, boy, Rick, uh, you should have added this one because this one's really a significant one or important one and you missed it. I'm sure there are more than just 10, but those are the 10 that I've chosen. But love to hear from you. Just go to rickmcdaniel.com and opportunity there to send an, a, a message, email, and we'll uh, see if we can address some of those in, in uh, upcoming episodes. So thanks again for joining us today. And again, share the word. Tell everybody about this Point of Impact podcast and how much it's helping you. And I look forward to joining with you again next week. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in. And we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.